Action Network podcast. It's time! Welcome back into the Action Network podcast. This is your UFC Vegas 53 betting preview. Brendan Glasheen joined as always by Action Network senior writer Sean Zarillo. Also, former professional MMA fighter and MMA analyst, Billy Ward. We have Font versus Vera on the main card. Looking forward to following that. UFC Vegas 53 taking place at the Apex in Vegas. 12 fights, six on the main card, six prelims. We're going to get to the guys' fight of the night, their picks for the fight of the night, in their eyes, underdog plays, favorite props, and also a look at the daily fantasy angles, best bets as well. Looking forward to all of that. First, we go to the main event. We have Marlon Vera taking on Rob Font. Vera coming from Ecuador. Font here in the States. It's a bantamweight bout. Font is the favorite, Sean Zarillo. What is your approach to betting the main fight for the weekend? 135, bantamweight, my favorite division, probably right now in MMA. Absolutely loaded, particularly in the UFC. There's also a Grand Prix going on a Bellator that is absolutely loaded with talent as well. So I think 135 might have the best fighters in the world, top to bottom. And people have been clamoring for Marlon Chito Vera to get a five-round main event because this guy always starts slow and tends to build the longer he goes in the fights. He's very violent, very aggressive in his pursuit of a finish, particularly when he sees his opponent hurt. Font coming off of a pair of main events, a win over Cody Garbrandt. A loss to Jose Aldo, where he actually outstruck Aldo, 149 to 86. Font, very active, good boxer, going to throw a ton of jabs, very crisp jab, going to try to keep Vera on the end of it for as long as possible. And I expect him to win the early minutes here, perhaps the first two rounds. As I mentioned, Cheeto, a very slow starter, likes to get his reads, eventually build the longer the fight goes. I think what's really interesting here is to see when Cheeto starts to take over, because I do expect his power to start to impact Font at some point. It seemed like in that Aldo fight, once Font got hurt, he was able to get hurt again and again very easily. I don't know if he broke something in his face, but he seemed just very skeptical of getting hit. And that's why even though he doubled up Aldo in terms of volume, Aldo landed the much more significant power shots, knocked him down multiple times, seemed to win the right moments. But it was very apparent that Font didn't want to get hit and didn't want to close the distance once he started getting hit. What will determine this fight, in my eyes, is the grappling. Who wins the grappling exchanges? Because I do expect them to grapple at some point. Even though Font was able to take Aldo down, Aldo actually controlled him for over nine minutes of that fight in the grappling. And both guys have shown vulnerability once they get taken down in the past. You can keep their backs on the mat. You can hold them down for extended stretches. So perhaps the wrestling is what ends up determining who wins this fight if it goes the full 25 minutes. I give Vera much more finishing upside than I do Font. Font around a 25% finish probability for me. Vera closer to 50%. So actually like the overs here, the over four and a half, the fight to go the distance. You can get that at minus 138 at win. I projected that line closer to minus 175. Ultimately, I think we go 25 minutes. Both of these guys are very durable. Maybe Vera finds a late finish, but he's also the guy who's untested in the championship round. So ultimately, I think we see Vera take over in the second half of the fight, but it depends at what point he takes over. Does he win the final three rounds? Does Font secure the first three before Vera eventually pulls down the stretch? Billy, these fighters have very similar, their records are very similar. Their their builds are very similar. But to uh, Zarillo's point, when you look at uh, the grappling Takedown accuracy, takedown defense. Vera has slight edges in those categories. 
how are you handicapping the main event and what's your approach to betting? Yeah, I really like Sean's point about the power. I see even wider discrepancy in terms of who has the finishing upside here in favor of Vera. So the only bet that I'm going to be making, I'm going to be betting Vera inside the distance at plus 300. I don't really see him winning a decision. As Sean pointed out, he's untested in five round fights. He might take out, you know, take over in the second, third round, but then find he doesn't have the gas tank that he thought he did when he's never fought five rounds like that. You know, that's, 60% 60% more fight effectively that he has to get through. So I really don't see Vera winning a decision. Similarly, I don't see Font putting away Vera. He's more than happy to win minutes, especially if he gets clipped a couple of times, as Sean pointed out in the Aldo fight. So you can get both of those at plus money. Vera inside the distance is plus 300, and then Font's decision is plus 170. I think that's the likeliest way either of these guys win that fight. That way you're covering yourself on both sides. So that's the only bet I'll be making on it. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty binary fight in my eyes too, Billy. Font just seems like a point fighter. You know, he's he's quick. He's got a great jab, but he's not actively trying to finish people. Where Vera, the moment he gets on top of you, it's just absolute elbows, and he's a pretty vicious finisher. We saw what he did to Sean O'Malley once he hurt him. So, yeah, binary fight for me, but Font seems pretty tough as well. Vera, a dog tomorrow at plus 115, and Font uh, at minus 140. He is your favorite. Okay, let's move on to our favorite underdog bet. For UFC Vegas 53, as we tell you on every episode, and it's always worth repeating, shop those lines to get your uh, the best number possible when you're looking at those underdog bets. Sean Zarillo, your favorite dog for the event. Yeah, the curtain jerker first fight of the night, Carlos Candelario, plus 200 against Tatsuro Teira, Teira, Japanese debutante. Very unproven, low level of competition. Seems like he needs to grapple in order to win his fights. And that's where the line kind of represents... Anytime you get a favorite who has all the grappling upside, that's when they tend to be a more justifiable, larger favorite. If this was just a pure striker versus grappler and Condelario was the grappler, Tyra was the favorite as the striker, this line would probably be closer to minus 150. That said, Condelario is the better striker here in my eyes. More battle-tested, thought he won his contender series fight against Alka Murano, who ended up losing his USA debut, but better tested against better competition. More experienced, Tyra also 22 years old. Very young, not physically all the way there yet. So there's a chance if he faces any resistance to the grappling, uh, if Condelario can keep this on the feet or get back to his feet multiple times, I think he could definitely win minutes here, could win potentially the second and third rounds. If Tyra tires out and isn't able to finish the guy quickly like he's experienced in the past. So Condelario, I projected this closer to plus 200, but I'm fine taking anything at two to one or better against an opponent who has so many question marks. I like taking shots against these debutantes, especially the young ones who just aren't in their physical prime yet. Yeah, we got a debut. Uh, looking forward to seeing how that plays out. And like you said, there's just some uh, a lot of questions, right, around a, a fighter that has a, a debut situation and how it plays out. Billy Ward, your favorite uh, d- underdog play. Yeah, real quick, I really like Sean's pick. I was thinking that myself, but didn't quite have the have the. Uh metal to try it myself but now i feel like i've got permission so i'm gonna go go about that one but uh i'm looking at jared gordon he's fighting grant dawson he's about plus 160 depending on where you look last i checked it looks to be a real wrestle heavy matchup between dawson and gordon both guys i've got attempting at least two takedowns per round but i think what people miss is that sometimes the better offensive wrestler isn't the better defensive wrestler and Dawson he's landed more takedowns in his career but we haven't really seen anyone try to counter wrestle him and try to get to it first so a lot of these guys if they get on top they're great but the minute they're on their back it's a struggle and even I'm not 
super confident in Dawson's ability to get on top, especially late in the fight. Ricky Simone put up 10-8 round against him in their third round of the last fight. He was one for 13 in takedowns against Leonardo Santos. So I'm not so sure that he's going to have success on the offensive side of it. And then I think if Gordon gets on top of him and controls the fight, it'll be pretty easy. I don't know really who's got a striking edge here. We haven't seen a ton of either guy doing it. I'd have to lean towards Gordon, I think. So when we've got striking, possibly offensive wrestling, and then the cardio being the big factor, I like Gordon at plus 160 and then a possible live betting opportunity if he gets taken down early on. Yeah, I love Gordon live after round one. That's probably how I'm targeting this fight. That's the only reason I didn't bet it yet. I do have a better prop that we'll get to in a second, but Gordon live after round one, Dawson tends to tire out fairly quickly. As far as significant strikes, Gordon has the edge by about two strikes landed per minute over him at 5.22, whereas Dawson's at 3.06. Those are their averages to this point. But like Billy said, I mean, there's still uh, the sample sizes you have to, you know, I think after one round, you get a better idea of how it's going. And then, like you said, maybe we'll see if Dawson uh, peters out as the fight continues. Moving on to the fight of the night, Andre Feely and Joe Anderson Brito. So Feely is the heavy favorite in this one at minus 250, Brito at plus 200. First off, I, I always think it's worth mentioning or asking uh, Sean and Billy why this is the fight you're, you're targeting and, and why does it stand out to you? We'll start with Sean. This is a difficult card to figure out what the fight of the night should be. Not a ton of big names or not a ton of stakes, you know, in terms of rankings. But I think this pace in this fight should be absolutely ridiculous. And I think that's why the UFC put it in the featured spot on the main card. I just expect to see a very, very high-paced fight and likely a finish. I did bet the fight to end inside the distance at plus 125 at Rivers. Projected this at 50%, so 50% finish probability for either guy, actually, specifically in my projections. And may, people may find that surprising. Tanafilia's past 12 fights have gone to a decision. Brito's had two fights on the, the UFC banner, including a contender series fight. Both of those went to a decision. But if you watch the way these guys fight, the pace is absolutely absurd. I could see either getting knocked out. I could see a scramble where one of them gets submitted. So fight to end inside the distance, the under two and a half, closer to plus 150. I think those are both the sides that I would want to be on just given the pace of the fight. Billy, how about you? Why is it a fight that stands out and how do you want to bet it? Well, to answer your question directly about why it's the fight of the night, one guy's nickname is Touchy Feely. So we can't, we can't not mention Andre Touchy Feely as one of the great UFC nicknames that we have right now. But uh, no, I, I'm with Sean in terms of the, it should be a super high-paced fight, a lot of action, a lot of stuff happening, which is why I'm looking over at prize picks for my exposure to this fight. They've got the significant strike lines on Touchy Feely at 53.5, and, and if you look at his per-minute rate, that's about 12-ish minutes, I think, based on uh, what he's landed so far that it would need to go, and that's with a standard opponent who might not be as aggressive in terms of uh, coming forward and working with him. So I really like that as start of the start of some prize picks. Feely, we talked about live bet on Gordon. Feely live after round one. Brito tends to put power into everything. He's a bit of a berserker, especially early, and is going to try to get you out of there, and he'll slow down the longer the fight goes. So Feely as the favorite, minus 250 pre-fight, don't love it. But if you can get a better price after round one, I'd certainly jump in. As a general rule of thumb, when it comes to live betting these events, is there something that would take you off of betting it live would something have to take place in the first round in round one to say okay maybe not a good idea to go get involved in any case so if i know that brito if i'm expecting brito to come in and fight at a high pace in the first round that's something i want right i want him to exert his energy and potentially tire out but if he hurts feely bad and feely's sitting on the stool and he's kind of wobbled 
I'm not going to jump in because then I'm going to be worried about him getting finished early in round two. Is he fully recovered yet? But yeah, I'm looking for body language. I'm looking for injuries. I'm looking for mostly how the fighter is responding to resistance, especially near the end of the first round, because you only have about a minute to make that decision whether to fire on the live line between rounds. So you have to make that decision very quickly. Also try to, this is actually a bigger point. Try to find a feed, UFC fight pass feed, that doesn't show you commercials between rounds. Get the, get the fighters on the stools, get the conversation that they're having with their corner. Cause you can tell a lot just about the way the fighter is reacting on the stool. Billy could probably elaborate more than I, than I can, but sometimes it's pretty obvious when they're slumped and seem defeated between rounds. When you have a favorite that gets longer odds after the first round, because they won it, that's just never one I'm going to bet. Cause you should have taken that at the better odds in the first place. So that's one that, you know, if Feely wins the first round, I don't really care how aggressive Brito was or how tired he looks. That's just, now you're just getting worse bet than you had before but no in terms of the body language and stuff one of the things I try to at least with the English speaking fighters is when the coaches are telling a guy that they've won rounds and it doesn't really look like they have that's a guy I'm gonna fade because they're probably gonna play it safer than they should and also get you know more likely to get stopped because they're not really pushing as hard so that's a big one is just trying to figure out what the coaches are telling people and then making that evaluation on your own side about whether the coaches are right because we hear a guy say oh you're up you know two rounds to nothing and then it, watching it home, I'll say, I don't know, this one might be 1-1. That guy's probably going to take it easy and end up dropping the third round, which you can get some controversial decisions that way. The commentary really influences things as well. Oftentimes, the commentators have no idea what the scoring criteria is, and they'll talk about control time when somebody's landing all the damage. If you just watch the fight and ignore the commentary, you can actually have a better idea of what the live odds should be as well. You know, Try to familiarize yourself with the fact that scoring damage that will accumulate towards finishing the fight or, or doing grappling submission attempts that are accumulating towards finishing the fight. That's what judges are looking for. They're not looking for somebody who's just holding somebody down. You know, if you're just firing strikes from your back, you're, you're not really going to win rounds typically, but it has happened in the past where a fighter just laying on top, doing nothing loses a, a round to a fighter who is actually trying to land damage from the bottom. So ignore the commentary try to focus on who you think is actually winning the fight. Yeah, that's a real good point. Only unmute between rounds. <laughs> yeah, that's good stuff. Now for a word from our friends at Hims. When it comes to sports betting, there's no shortage of problems to talk about, but there's definitely one problem guys never want to discuss. It's a directile dysfunction. ED impacts about 30 million American men, 30 million. And still, most guys would rather make bullshit excuses or just ignore the issue instead of turning to experts for a solution. You listen to this show because you're looking for good advice, right? Well, here's some. Check out Hims and discover a pill worth celebrating because thanks to science, ED can be optional. Their website for Hims.com is a great resource for hair loss, skin care, and ED solutions for men. They connect you with licensed medical providers who can provide FDA-approved ED treatments entirely online. These are the same medications you'd get from your doctor, but with no appointments, no face-to-face -face visits, and no co-pays. You just answer a few questions and products are shipped directly to you. Try Hims today by starting with a free online visit. Go to forhims.com slash action network. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash action network. Prescription products require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if a prescription is appropriate. This would cost hundreds if you went in person to the doctor's office or pharmacy. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and safety information. And remember, that's forhims.com slash action network. Let's get back to the show. 
Uh, moving on to our favorite props. And by the way, you're, you're tuning into the Action Network podcast, the UFC Vegas 53 betting preview. Brendan Glasheen, Sean Zarello, Billy Ward making our way through uh, the card and, and everything. We don't get to every fight on, on this podcast when we talk UFC, but we get to what we're playing here for the, for the weekend. So, uh, Sean, you've got two. You've got two favorite uh, props for the, for the weekend. Yeah, I had to include the second one. Uh, Billy already talked about the Gordon Dawson fight. There's just the price discrepancy in a couple books. I projected this line minus 200 to go to a decision. A lot of books are at minus 190 to go to a decision over plus 200 on the two or over minus 200 on the over two and a half rounds. At Win Sportsbook, it's minus 162. And at FanDuel, it's minus 168. But both of their over props are over minus 200. So they're actually almost betting on a finish happening in the last two and a half minutes. I mentioned that Dawson tires out. Maybe Gordon finds a late finish. But I think just given those price discrepancies relative to the rest of the market, there's a 30 cent price discrepancy. You have to buy one of those prices. I did. I bought that minus 162 at win. If you want a plus money prop, the Christoph Yako, Gerald Mearshart fight, I see that as a very binary matchup as well. Yako by decision or Mearshart by submission project value on both of those props. I think Yako, 16 and two on decisions in his career. I expect him to do enough to potentially win on volume on the feet or stay safe on the ground, stay safe in Mearshart's guard. He trains an American top team, very high level team. He's familiar with how to stay safe on the ground. I know Mearshart is a very dangerous submission grappler, but Yako, a boring guy, nobody wants to bet on him. Plus 200 by decision. I made that line closer to plus 150. Billy, favorite prop. Yeah, I'm looking at Johan Lyonese versus Gabe Green by knockout. He's about plus 200, but I think it should be the vast majority of his win condition. If you watch Gabe Green fight, he is more than happy to take two shots just to give one back. Super high activity coming forward the whole time. And we don't have as much data on Lyonese, but I watched his contender series fight. Everything he throws is looking for a knockout from jabs to punches. He's got a good wide variety of techniques. He came out and opened the fight with like multiple head kicks right in a row, four seconds in. So he's hunting for a knockout pretty much from the time he gets out there till the time the fight ends. He's also got some good takedown ability, but as soon as he took his opponent down in the contender series, he was just looking for heavy strikes from the top. He didn't really look for a submission at all. I also like his submission defense. Gabe Green has some good submissions on his record. Uh, Lionese's opponent in the contender series bout immediately went for a guillotine. If anyone follows me on Twitter, you'll see all my uh, tilt about guys who can't defend guillotines. But Johan just did a great job of it. He stepped over, broke the position instead of trying to push away on the head like so many guys do. So I think if he gets a takedown and gets on top, he'll have a good opportunity to put him away and won't really be looking for a submission. And then when it's standing, he's just throwing everything with vicious intent. How long that'll be able to last, I don't know. Gabe Green might be another good live betting opportunity if he doesn't get him out of there fast. But I think if you're betting this pre-fight, Lionese by KO at plus 200 is the way to go. The White Lion from Canada. Looking another forward. tremendous nickname. We've got, a, we've got a pretty good card in terms of nicknames. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Lionese, you know, there's the pronunciation there. You work a little lion in, it's good. It's, it really is. It's a great nickname weekend uh, in UFC. Let's go to DFS, uh, Billy. As I, I'll just, you know, I don't really care mentioning this. I'm in, I'm in Connecticut doing this show today, so I can't get access to DFS. So, Billy, please take it away. I can't even pull up salaries right now. Uh, what is the lead thought when you open the contest and you're trying to diagram a way to make the winning lineup? Yeah, so we have the standard amount of guys – the super high price range. We've got Romanoff again at 9,600. Touchy Feely is 9,300. But what we don't have is a lot of fights that are likely to end inside the distance. I think we've only got two that are better than minus 150 to get stopped. So that makes me outside of Romanoff, who we talked about last week, that fight got moved to this one. I'm 
all in on him again. Hopefully Sherman actually fights this time. But outside of that, I really don't like this high end just because with those expensive fighters, you really, really need a stoppage. Uh, Levy at 9,000 might be the one exception to that rule. I think he's probably got better stoppage odds than the betting markets would imply. But that has me going in like the upper 8,000 range, looking at some of these cheaper fights. I really want some exposure to Tristan Connolly and Darren Elkins. Outside of Romanoff and Sherman, that's the fight probably likeliest to have a stoppage. I don't have a super strong take, although we're going to get to it on best bets about which guy is going to win. But I think that's one that, you know, if I'm using my fantasy labs optimizer, I'm just going to make a rule that one of those two is in all my lineups. And then on the cheaper side, we've alluded to it with our underdogs. I really like Jared Gordon. I don't think he gets finished. I think he has all the finishing upside in that fight. So you can play him in cash games knowing that he'll put up some points pretty much no matter what happens. And then who else do I have for the cheap side? And then Lionese for uh, he's GPP only. He's either going to get a knockout or probably lose pretty badly from fatigue. But that's where I'm looking at the cheap end. Nice. I mean, I would imagine when we're talking about betting, you know, getting in on live betting that, of course, when you do DFS, the salary set in stone, like it's not changing. So there's some value there with some cheaper fighters. Usually when we have a single heavyweight fight, you almost always want to target that and get there just because those guys stop so much. This is the exception to that. I don't see Arlovsky versus Collier getting really stopped. I think Arlovsky wins it, but his power seems to have left him many years ago. So I think he outpoints him, doesn't have enough activity to really rack up a huge score, though he's not super expensive. So you can go there, but it's not a priority for me this week. Anything to add, Zarillo? I did bet Collier, since we're talking about that fight, I just see him as a slightly improved version of the volume that that Arlovsky's seen in his last two fights. Arlovsky goes to a decision, close split decision, almost every time. And Collier, to me, a bit more active and a bit better in terms of striking technique than a guy like Jared Vandera. So I think Collier has a better chance of beating Arlovsky than Arlovsky's recent opponents did. And I think you're getting a bit better of a price on him. Now on to Sleeper. Sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform today with millions of players. You probably already have a fantasy league on there. I use it for mine. It's a game-changing product unlike anything else in the industry. And now you could win on Sleeper by playing their new over-under game. It's super simple. First, in any sport, choose two or more players that you like and pick their over or under. For example, number of points in basketball or hits in baseball. Then choose the amount of money you want to enter into the contest. If you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two to over 20 times the amount you put in. The main reason I'm excited about Over Under on Sleeper is that it's the only app where I can join my buddies' contests and play together. It's got a built-in group chat where I can see and copy my friends' picks with the tap of a button. It's insanely fun to ride it out together. So stop what you're doing and download Sleeper now to play their new Over Under game. Have fun with your friends and make some money. Make sure to use promo code ACTION and Sleeper will match your deposit up to $100. Again, download Sleeper, then use promo code ACTION when you deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Okay, back to the show. Okay, before we wrap, we get to best bets for UFC Vegas 53. Sean Zarillo, you can go first. Well, Billy and I have the same bet here, and I guess this would have been our best underdog, but this is our best underdog. So Tristan Connolly, plus 160 against Darren Elkins, I've always liked Darren Elkins. He has the damage tattooed across his chest. It's one of the worst tattoos in the history oh of the God, world, not just in MMA. But the guy is an absolute warrior. He fends the fall behind in fights, and he never gives up, and he puts the damage back on his opponents. He's a great guy to live bet after round one, but I think he's damaged goods at this point. 
He is a nah. hundred years old in fight years, cannot take any sort of shots without completely crumbling at this point. I think he only beat Derek Minner because Minner kept trying to pull guillotine, which Billy has said some guys are completely incapable of defending. Elkins is okay at defending guillotines. He's tough to submit. Connolly, not a big power puncher either. And Connolly also dropping down to 145 off of a neck surgery. Those are my concerns on his side, but I'm getting plus 160. I projected this closer to plus 125. I just think Elkins is washed. He can't take a shot anymore. And I expect Connolly to put him away. Also value on Connolly's knockout prop. I'll probably put that in some round robins. For our Action Network audience, if you are listening, to try and paint the picture, if you ever see the movie We're the Millers and the, the tattoo of no regrets, if you thought that was bad, this is worse. Billy, Sean said it. It's the same bet. You're, you're looking at the same fight, but are you going to bet it a little differently? No, we're lockstep on this one. The one point I wanted to add is I think Elkins, probably his best hope is to get on top and win this fight through control time. But Connolly defended four or five takedowns against Pat Sabatini in his last fight. And Sabatini is a very, very strong wrestler. So I don't really see Elkins doing much better than Sabatini did against him. And then as long as it stays standing, I'm all over Connolly. So I'm just, uh, yeah, looking forward to explaining this terrible tattoo to my wife and daughter as we're watching this fight and uh, <laughs> going from there. It's like, yeah, it's his nickname. What are you going to do? Very good. All right. I think that might be a first, but you guys have the same best bet. That's yeah. I was going to put Connolly in the, the favorite dog section, but he is my favorite bet. You know, I, I didn't want to give out a bet. That's not my favorite bet here just because Billy already put it in the email first. So definitely the first time we've been in full lockstep on our best bet for a card. And hopefully he pays off because I'm sure people will tell it now. All right. Hopefully we get it. Okay, fellas, great work. Again, Action Network senior writer Sean Zarillo, also former pro MMA fighter, MMA analyst at the Action Network. Billy Ward, uh, for those guys, Brendan Glasheen, thanks for everyone for tuning into the Action Network podcast or UFC Vegas 53 betting preview. Best of luck this weekend. We join you every Friday, so we look forward to seeing you and talking to you again next week.